0: We start today's podcast back on that Tales from the Couch. A lot of good stuff from last night, specifically Minnesota's win in Sacramento. Little hockey talk. Not a ton, but we got Ryan Whitney from Spit and Chicklets. Talk about his career, Boston Little Hockey, rapid fire NBA versus NHL player comps, and we've got Succession recap, which we'll do every week for the final season and life advice. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs in FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. We start today's Tales from the Couch in Sacramento. The Kings looking to beat Minnesota and end the 16-year playoff drought, the longest playoff drought in major sports. Active right now, longest in NBA history. And guess what? Not tonight or not last night. Uh, Minnesota goes in and beats Sacramento. This was... One of my favorite games recently, just because of the atmosphere leading up to it, Sacramento ready to unveil this party. And then you have this Minnesota dynamic that is definitely worth paying attention to. So we're going to actually focus a lot on Minnesota, even though I know Sacramento from just a shooting standpoint, you could be like, well, that's why they lost the game. But let's let's be positive here and talk some Minnesota here. Um, they beat Golden State the night before. Bill and I were taping during that game. So I had to watch it after and that game could have gone either way. Uh, you had an awful pool turnover, which is kind of funny because I was just giving him credit for kind of avoiding that monumental mistake that he makes so often. Then he had a huge one. And then Draymond's turnover was arguably even worse. And then Cat hits the three. Carl Anthony Towns back uh, two games. Did not play last night, though. Cat hits that three, and that's the ballgame. I mean, Steph even got one off in the corner. Um, There are a couple things kind of like going off of that win against Golden State and then to go to Sacramento and get that win. And that's Jaden McDaniels. Now, Jaden was bad uh, by his standards, but he got in foul trouble in the Golden State game. But there was a play off the ball where he, Steph actually couldn't shake McDaniels. It was it was impressive. And the reason I want to talk about McDaniels is that he got started last night. I think he started the game six for six. Uh, the nickname going around about him because of his defensive prowess, and it is real. Uh, seat belt. There's a couple other ones there. Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, like that one possession with Steph where it was like, wait, you're playing me this hard off the ball. And when you watch McDaniels, it is all arms and legs. It's insane how long he is. And then when you just factor in like the visual of his limbs. But the reason, you know, let's go back to my blowtorch, the Timberwolves segment, which I still feel totally fair about. And by the way, the team traded the guy that I spent the most time talking about, D'Angelo Russell, because they wanted to move on from him, right? Um, and that was the the problem with D'Angelo is that he's actually so talented that he's never going to kind of like ease off, right? He's, he's still going to kind of be in control of what you're doing. And I think beyond the stats and the shooting and his talent, there was a lot there that I just didn't like. And I think it's. It's maybe not as obvious as just the the scoring stats. You have to kind of pay attention to like all the stuff that he's not doing. All right. So I already did that segment. We don't have to do it all over again. But what I think was was part of the problem with that segment is that I was focused on the things that were not working. All right. And then I was thinking about Anthony Edwards, who I love, and going like, you know, at what point could he look around and go like, is this team good enough for me? Because that's, by the way, what happens in this league now. But I didn't mention the role players and I didn't men- mention Jaden McDaniels because despite all of us knowing how good he is defensively, I just felt from an offensive standpoint, like, yeah, he's a nice player, but would he be the kind of guy that like changes the course of who you are as a franchise? Because that really is is asking a lot of of somebody that hasn't shown it enough offensively. But he's had a month here where it's his highest scoring month of his career. He's getting 15 a game. The shooting splits are really good, 51 and 42% from the floor. And I thought last night, And we've seen a little bit more of this. And Timberwolves fans, yes, you are more locked into this than I am. Um, But when I watched him, I I felt like how much of this is he actually initiating on his own in his offense? And last night he was. I mean, he had an in-game dunk that was as impressive as anything you're going to see in the regular season. And... Whether it was him starting on Fox or then ending up on a shooter, he can basically defend everybody other than like a center. Granted, you know, when you have Gobert, you're never going to have to worry about that. And then when Towns is back out there, but this defense is real. And I thought his offense last night was a glimpse of in his third year of going like, all right, maybe, maybe this is, this can be something. Because I think too many times this year when I've watched them, you know, you're just not going to notice them that much offensively, uh, which is pretty strange. If you go back to when he was at Washington. Now, when he went to Washington for that one season, he was a top 10 recruit. Uh, It wasn't a good basketball team. Yet, you know, Washington went through the stretcher. They were getting some dudes in there. And then it didn't really feel like it was uh, equating to wins. But he actually initiated a lot of their offense. So when I was watching him for the draft, I'm like, man, this guy's different. Like he's huge, but he's kind of running a lot of their sets. Like he's getting them into what. So wait, is this guy supposed to be like a six nine point guard? Like, what is he? And when you go back, and I was looking at it this morning, like some of the recruiting stories of Washington landing him. It's like he can play any four positions, you know, he can do all these different things. And they actually did try to use him. now, granted, and win many games. So, you know, I don't know how much of that was all on him. It wasn't like I was watching full Washington Huskies games the entire season. But there is there is more to his game at least the way he's been brought up as a player, than I think we've seen for a good chunk of the Minnesota part of it. Yes, little glimpses, but then you wonder, like, can he take that next step? I don't even have the answer to it. I'm just telling you, last night was awesome. This month has been better, and it's really something that's exciting because the other part of this, which gets back to Russell not being there, is that I love I love Noel. I love Nas Reed. Their, their bench last night was incredible because, again, it was no cat. And Anthony Edwards has been out of it uh, for these last couple games. Um, he's coming off the injury. It's an observation. It's not any kind of confirmation of anything that I think of Anthony Edwards. Uh, he had three shots in the fourth quarter last night. He hit a huge three. He had only one shot attempt in the fourth quarter against Golden State. We know that he had the recent injury. So to me, it doesn't really mean anything. But the point is, is that the rest of the players were filling in this scoring void because Edwards just wasn't didn't have it. Didn't you can kind of see he had a nice second quarter, but it just felt like he he was out of it. Right. Again, just an observation doesn't mean that I'm taking the posters down in the living room, which would be weird to put him in the living room, but when you live by yourself, nobody says shit about your poster situation. So Conley is an adult in the room. I've always liked Noel and his drives. You know, I just I felt like they were, they just did a good job of of making it look different on offense, whether it was a pick and roll with Conley and Gobert where Sabonis couldn't really help because he's still worried about Gobert as bad as Gobert can look on some catches, even though when the low man came to help off the corner and Gobert caught it in the paint, I was like, oh, Jesus, it's is going to be a car crash. And Gobert somehow got it out to the corner for a three. Um, they did a good job of getting into the corners and then attacking closeouts. There just was a lot of stuff that I felt like Minnesota was doing where you're going, this is, this is good. This is what it's supposed to look like. It's not supposed to look like one guy dribbling it up and then everybody waiting around to see what that one guy will do. And then when he gets into trouble, he just flips it out to somebody else, spotted up on the three-point line, which is unfortunately even good teams. We see just way too much of that in the league today. So, look, a love fest here for Minnesota. Um, liking what Conley's bringing to the table, even though you know, you're know, you a little worried about some of the slippage, but even better as we had had him on recently and his closing numbers as far as like the clutch time stuff, I think and granted a very small sample size might be best on Minnesota um, in March, you know, in 12 games, the offensive defensive ratings for Minnesota is still kind of middle of the pack. Uh, you could also sum this up by saying they look at on offense because Sacramento's 27th on defense in March. I mean, Sacramento's just going to struggle on defense. You know, I don't know that they have the perimeter guys that are built to hang with the better perimeter players in the game today. I mean, Gobert's going to get his rebounds, but you're still not necessarily worried about him on the catch offensively with any of this stuff. Uh, in the previous matchups, Minnesota and Sacramento had split those games. Remember the overtime win, which was the second game with this? I remember that Sabonis so had fouled out, and they brought in Trey Lyles. They went small. Uh, they went small. They went five out. It kind of like messed up Gobert having to chase everybody around. The other guys weren't playing great defense, and you're like, boy, they may have unlocked something there with that. Um, and they actually close with Lyles and Sabonis, I believe, for long stretches because Sacramento will kind of figure out, they'll change who their closing five is a little bit more than some of the other teams, uh, especially when we keep talking about how Sacramento's top five guys, that lineup has played more than any other lineup, I believe, in the NBA. I didn't check it this morning, but uh, they were so far ahead of everybody else. So really to sum this whole thing up, you're looking at it in Minnesota this morning. They're the sixth seed. They have, they have the tiebreaker over Golden State. Um, but those two games were hard, okay? Those are to go into Golden State and get a win that could have gone either way, And then to go into Sacramento and close them out where it was like, it didn't feel like the wrong team. Yes, I know Sacramento was five of 27 for threes. And you could say, hey, they make a few more of those. It's a different game. Yeah, no problem. But like, let's give Minnesota some credit here. Those are two hard wins, back-to-back nights. Not to say nobody wins on back-to-backs because we default to that excuse way too often. There's 13 teams in the NBA that have a winning record on back-to-backs. And if you looked at the overall league average, I'd give it to you. But the bottom five teams are so bad on back-to-backs because they're just bad teams. Uh, that they drag the overall average out. There's plenty of teams winning on back-to-back, but to do it in Golden State, to do it in Sacramento, especially with what those two teams are fighting for, are nice wins. All right, no Embiid against Denver. I didn't want to make this a headline because I didn't want to make it too negative, and honestly, it isn't the headline for it. It's just super disappointing. We've had this happen a couple times. We're all geared up. You're leaving the beach early. You're getting the boat tied up. You're like, I have to go back. It's Jokic Embiid, and you're like, no, it isn't, although we knew about this a lot earlier uh denver tried to lose this game it was 110 91 philly goes on a 20 to 4 run uh to make it 114 111 and then it becomes one of those weird things where jamal murray has to come back in the game Jokic is out there closing it Jokic had an incredible passage Jeff green yes the seal was out of bounds they reviewed it um but they couldn't change the foul call whatever reviews are fucking stupid and they waste all of our time uh, but they're probably not going anywhere so i think there's a lot of different things you can kind of think here that are all hypothetical, that'll mean nothing in 24 hours, and that's, does this impact the embiid jokic Giannis MVP race? Uh, Bill and I disagreed on Giannis still being involved in the MVP race. Uh, he's still in it for me. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But Embiid not playing last night against Jokic will not impact my vote at all. It just won't. Um, if we're looking at total games played, Embiid's at 61 games, but Jokic is at 67. So, you know, we ride this out. There's not some huge misstretch to close here. Uh, I, I think they're all close enough. Giannis is behind both those dudes at 59 games. So the games played thing is not going to be any kind of tiebreaker, at least for me on the MVP vote. I don't think six games is that big of a deal. I wonder, though, if Embiid not playing helped Jokic, not because Embiid didn't play, but because with Jokic, the more I think about like our differences of opinions on who's the better player. I'm going to use a golf analogy, golf guy over here. Played a couple rounds of nine holes, not a big deal. Jokic is the golfer who doesn't really drive it that far. Maybe doesn't even land in the fairway off the tee box all that often, you know. But around the green, he's not fucking it up. He's not getting himself into possible positions. He's fixing the previous bad shot. Um, he's not chipping it back and forth over the green. He's not three putting all the time. And I think Giannis and Joel are the golfers that have like this sick bag, smash it off the tee, you know, like just some nice shots. Their swing looks terrific. And then, you know, they get in the cart onto the next hole and it's like, what'd you get? And, the guy had a five, and just like, I had a five. And Jokic just like, I had four. So from the visual of if Embiid had gone off last night, which is basically every single night the guy plays. And it was like big time. I think today would have been rough for Jokic. All right? Like even in the Giannis game this weekend, which was a great win by Denver, you know, the beginning of that game, when I was watching Milwaukee was doing on offense, I was like, man, I don't know, man, this Denver team sometimes, like sometimes I think they're really good and then sometimes I don't. And I'm not even talking about like their bad stretch because Denver's, you know, figured it out here. But Giannis didn't defend Jokic. I would have loved to have seen it. I would have loved to have seen just something to be disruptive. But when you have Brook Lopez, you don't really need to do it. And Bud is like one of the most – and stubborn's too negative a word, but let's just put it this way. Bud's not changing what he's doing, so he's not going to have Giannis. And look, Giannis isn't going to defend some of the better players. He just isn't, which is a little frustrating too, but I can also understand that his offensive burden – and honestly, that's very common with uh, most of the stars in the league. It's like we're asking so much of this guy to basically be our entire offense, to be the sun – in our offense, and then we're going to have him chase Jokic around the whole time? Like, that doesn't make a ton of sense, even if I selfishly wanted to see it. Giannis did strip him twice, though. He did strip him twice. And so then you end the game, and you're like, oh, you know, Denver wins it. Giannis wasn't, like, peak Giannis in that game, but Jokic was 31-6-11. and 11. <laughs> You're like, oh, he had 31-6-11. He had and 11. I mean, last night he had 25-17-12, and, and it felt pretty pedestrian. He now joins Wilt which is like the new T-shirt this year, joins Wilt the last couple seasons with some of these offensive outbursts that we've seen from all the top guys around the league. But Jokic joins Wilt and Oscar Robertson as the only players in NBA history to have 10-plus games of 25-15-10 in a season. And so those are back-to-back games where if you're watching with Jokic, you're like, ah, it might not look as good as the Giannis 35-12 and game. It might not look as good as the 38-14 and game from Embiid. And that might have been the win. Not that Embiid didn't play, but if everybody is watching that game that's obsessed with his MVP race, if you had seen it play out, like hell, who knows, if Embiid if had gone for 40 and they lost and Jokic has his 26-12-11, and 25-17-12, we that's the actual number. I wonder, you know, first of all, nobody's giving in. Like if you're so far left or so far right, you're not changing your mind on any of this stuff. Um, And I always feel like the Embiid part of it is a little nastier, and maybe that's because Embiid has lost, and the one year I had a vote, maybe I see more of it because I voted for Jokic last year, and I have no doubt that I, I picked the right guy last season. This year, I'm going to have some doubts about it, but I'd ask this to the Embiid people. Would you have been pretty chill if Jokic didn't play last night? <laughs> And Embiid did. So I'm not looking at last night's result going up. Embiid didn't play. Jokic had an awesome game. They won the game. All right, that's a bit of a tiebreaker. It's, these are six-month awards to me, but I wonder how chill the people saying it wasn't going to be a big deal would be if it were reversed. Okay. Do you know who your eight seed is this morning? It's the New Orleans Pelicans. A week after talking about them being clearly the most disappointing story in the NBA season... Uh, they've won five straight playing Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, unless you're the Mavs. Uh, they got the nice win last night against the Pacers. Not going to spend any time on that because I was locked into early stuff that we'll get to. So yeah, wins against Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, the Clippers in Portland. Uh, That'll do it. That'll do it for you. Portland's playing summer league porn lineups right now. Um, where'd that guy go? Yep. Yeah. So check that out if you get a chance. Um, but Brandon Ingram, Western Conference Player of the Week. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about The Pelicans, finally, finally, like I know you're beating bad teams, but you're too talented to be losing this many games and to have Ingram being conference player of the week. Like this is the reason I would say you were disappointing. Even without the Zion thing, it shouldn't have been that bad for that long. And that's how bad it was. So this is a nice little stretch. And they are now back in the playoff picture. This is something I bring up every season. I'm going to do it every year that I do this. Beware of Gerald Green season. What is Gerald Green season? That's the end of the regular season where somebody puts up some numbers, somebody that you want to be really good, somebody you have faith in, you haven't really seen any evidence that tells you the player is going to be good, but when nobody's really trying, that player kind of goes off, and you're like, all right, this guy's going to be pretty good. Gerald Green was in his second year with the Celtics. If you remember him, he was like six six, one one of the most sick athletes I've ever seen, could shoot it from three, could dribble, could win dunk contests, and he just... Wasn't that good at basketball early on? He did, to his credit, find a way to have a role as a contributor uh, for a much longer time. Like he, he had a second act to his career where he kind of figured out that oh, I'm not going to be this ball dominating, like offensive created type of guy. Like I'm going to figure it out because when you watch him, you're like, this checks every single box. Like this guy will have to be good, and it just didn't really quite work out. So in that second season with the Celtics, um, in April, he averaged 16 a game. He took 16 shots a game. He had five 20-point games. He had a 33-point game in one of them. Um, And I remember it specifically because back then I was more a fan guy. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. This is coming together. This is coming together. And then he was traded for this guy, Kevin Garnett, that next season. And like I said, it just that, that dude who you saw, all these skills and athleticism, it just didn't translate. And so what we will have is we will have players that you have hope for, right? Your team spit a top draft pick on. There will be a player that you're emotionally attached to that hasn't really told you or shown you anything that you should get excited about, and then they're going to go fucking off like the last, I don't know, month-plus of the season. Now, having said that, this is actually going to be positive because as much as people were upset about Embiid and Jokic not facing off last night, um, below the marquee was Giannis missing out on the Wiseman matchup, right? Wiseman, I'm telling you, he doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. I think this is a smart trade by Detroit, despite their logjam of bigs. He had 14-6 and in and 20 minutes last night. He's starting over Dern. Dern was a beast. Dern actually played 28. Um, Wiseman with Detroit's averaging 13-9. and nine. He hit a nice jumper. He had an incredible pass off a baseline cut. He, was, he had finishes against Brooke Lopez. He wasn't constantly bringing the ball down you know, where he's playing smaller than he actually is. Like somebody has to pull him aside and be like, hey, Wiseman, you know you're fucking huge, right? Okay, cool. Um, now, am I breaking my own rule? Maybe. Let's keep doing it. Uh, Jaden Ivey does not fall into this category. If you're a rookie closing out the season, I just want to see your understanding of the game improve a little bit. And I thought that's what we got from Ivey last night, 32-8-8. and um, I know he hasn't shot it well this month, But I love the way he played last night. And I actually liked what Detroit did with him, where so many of these teams, when they have the guy, even on the bad teams, it's just like, all right, you dribble, we'll run this high screen. And then if you don't have it, any kind of lane or an option, you know, you fucking bring it back out and somebody's going to take a bad three. Uh, They were doing a couple different things where they were bringing Ivy back up to the ball. Like, what a concept, right? Hey, maybe we don't do the same thing across half court every single possession because our team stinks here. Uh, And I thought Ivy, not just the scoring and not just the driving, I think his driving to pass, even some of the stuff I saw in college, like shows that there might be like this this other element to him just as this kind of ball-dominant scoring wing that's super athletic. So as I talk about just letting one guy dribble the ball the whole time and then figuring it out, that's a perfect segue into the Houston Rockets. Uh Uh-oh. No, I'm actually going to be nice. I'm going to be nice about the Rockets because I love what I'm seeing from Jabari Smith. He was really good last night, 14, 11, and 6. It's not the 14 points. It's the way he's getting into his offense. Okay, He's getting more comfortable with his dribble, getting into his stuff off the dribble. He's taken 12 shot attempts here in March. He's 38% from three. Uh, It's his best shooting month that he's had, and he was really pretty bad the previous two months. But none of the numbers necessarily matter for me as much as just what my eyes are telling me. Because you know with Green and you know with Porter Jr., there's just going to be a lot of standing around. There just is, right? And the knock on Jabari in comparison to Paolo was like, Paolo already was built to like get into something off of his dribble. And Chet is this unicorn who I still think is going to be good. But if there was a limitation of why Jabari went third out of all of it, despite the shooting, the form, the body, the defense, and I actually really do like his demeanor, okay? He looks... Like he could be a little passive, but I don't. I think this face is fooling us. And is it sounding a little deep? Maybe let's get deep. When I watched him in college and he, you, you mess with him a little bit, he would go back at you and he would get more pissed than you would realize. So I think there's actually this this fiery guy in there behind this mask of of looking like he's passive. Now, granted, we have some players that look so passive. I'm like, what the fuck is going on with you? That's not what Jabari is, and I think there's a little bit more. He had a baseline cut where it was a closeout to the corner, and he drove it the whole way down and finished at the rim. Um, It's still a little shaky as off the mists, you know, transition basketball, him running it. I'm not quite there with it, but he is going to have to force the issue, Right. He is going to have to force the issue because he's not going to get enough opportunities. And I'm okay with seeing him make some mistakes off of the dribble because I don't want to see him become this player who starts his NBA career getting stuck waiting for somebody else to bail on their drive and then never having that in-game development. It actually brings me back to Jaden McDaniels a little bit because Jaden handled the ball so much more in college than he does in the NBA, which makes sense. Like with Russell, with Anthony Edwards, and now with Conley, it's not like Jaden McDaniels is going to be running your offense. But what you don't want is... You become this player at the NBA level who doesn't use some of the tools, so therefore isn't developing them the uh, at the NBA level. And I've seen that a lot with guys that dribbled more in college that just aren't going to dribble. Then all of a sudden it's like five or six years and you wonder where their handle is. So Jabari's going to have to take it upon himself to be special. If he wants to be special, he's going to have to start doing some more of that stuff on the dribble. And I'm okay with mistakes. I want to see him make the decision of, you know what, I'm going to be more than a two-dribble guy at the pro level. So yes, the Gerald Green stuff, it's irrelevant with Ivy. Jabari's 19 years old. I just love seeing anything that looks like growth from him because I want to see him become a really good player. There was a thought, though, that I had, and it's not there yet, but it is a thought. But what if Jabari comes back next year and he, and he looks even better, which is a real possibility. Like I would think it's more likely than less likely. This has been Jalen Green's show this year when it's not Kevin Porter Jr.'s. I'm only asking. I wonder what that will be like if Jabari progresses and Jalen, despite how dynamic he is at times and how unguardable he looks at times, if they're like, you know, we're not just going to give you the keys to this thing next year, and Jabari's going to get the keys, like he's going to be allowed to take it out for a drive. Uh, it's just something I thought about because as much as it's great to like let Jalen make all the mistakes and try to figure his game out having another guy who was the third pick watch you do it for another season is probably not the best. I'll, I'll mention this also. The Knicks scored 137 points, quickly had 40. And if I call the timeout and I coach the Rockets, I would be like, hey, you guys know that the other guys that don't have the ball are allowed to cut and catch the ball and score, right? The tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the nets. Okay, awful picks last week, so fade these. Give me... Florida Atlantic plus one and a half. Give me Yukon minus five and a half. So now that I told you to fade them, they'll probably both win because we're kind of like, I've been, I told you not to listen to me with the tournament. So bet it, but bet against me, perhaps. There you go. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com forward slash Ryan to sign up. R-Y-E-N. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Must be 21 or older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com forward slash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com forward slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-800-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org forward slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9WITH-IT, Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, one 877 770 stop In Louisiana, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit mahelpline.org forward slash problem Gambling in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-389 in New York. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, A little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack, And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call? Old school guy probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, Do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, to protect the things you value most, file a thing right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody the app was so good i didn't even need to do that like a good neighbor state farm is there learn more at statefarm.com we've talked about doing this actually i think for a while and i'm excited because uh we haven't ever really spent that much time together it's ryan whitney of spitting chiclets uh the most popular hockey podcast going with biz ra and mike uh, and he and he joins us now, man. Thanks for finally doing this. I know we've kind of talked about going back and forth. I don't think I'd be a good fit necessarily because I'm not super locked into the season on your pod. So maybe this is the better way to do it. Yeah,
1: I think this is this is perfect. Although we um, we can stray away from hockey a little bit on Chicklets. We get into bashing basketball. You could almost be like the the guardsman for the NBA and basketball as a whole. But we'll have to figure out a little home and
0: home match. I guess I'm just on the road first. All right, perfect. We'll we'll go that way. Um. The first thing I knew that I liked about you was every picture that you have, whether it's like NHL.com or ESPN or whatever, you look like the biggest dick ever.
1: I have the worst (laughs) the worst smile going. Worst smile in the league. I have a picture from the uh, PTO, like the professional tryout contract I signed just to go to camp with the Blues to try to make the team, which I didn't. I have a picture where I look like A cross between a prick in a college fraternity, um, a criminal, and maybe somebody who just like hates pets and dogs or cats and stuff. Like, I just, I don't get it. I I try to smile normal and then I see the picture. I'm like, people must fucking hate my guts. Oh, can we swear on this? Yes. It's encouraged. It's not great, dude. I got this like half the mouth smiles when half the mouth doesn't. It's disgusting.
0: So you're not doing it on purpose because I'm not I'm not photogenic either. But I was convinced at one point I was like, this has to be a bit because you're right. Like if you weren't a pro (laughs) hockey player, I picture you at the Dunkin asking if anybody needs any extra sheet rockers that morning. Like that's that's no, 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 no.
1: I'm at like Honeydew donuts,
0: bro. I'm not even at Dunkin. I'm real trash with my pictures. (laughs) All right. So this gets back to like you're younger than me, but I was buddies with all the fair guys. Okay. So I, I want to talk about that a little bit because again, I'm from Martha's Vineyard. So when I say I'm from mass, I get an eye roll. And then when I lived in Boston for seven years, and then I was like, I'm from Boston and they'd be like, don't ever fucking say you're from Boston. And I'm like, I get it because even the guys that were North shore, South shore guys, they might say they're from Boston to somebody else. But if they said they were from Boston, from guys that were really from Boston, if you were from situate or hang on, I I cheat for it all the time. So how does that work as a situate guy?
1: Situate, I just have to stick to I'm from Situate. Now, if I meet people from other states, I say just Boston to keep it simple. But I've been re- with Rear Admiral, one of the co hosts of Spit and Chicklets, who's from Charlestown, Boston. And he's heard me say it. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy's from a little preppy town south of the city. So I don't think within local people we could say it. But if I'm traveling, okay, we're from Boston. Although you are from an island. So you're really not one. It. No, I you can't say it. I can't say it. No,
0: no. That's and like then saying, people just think you're just loaded and rich kid. They're like, oh, this little brick. Dude, story of my life. Story of <laughs> my life. Uh, how, so the thing is, I think the South Shore kids shit on the North Shore kids. Like, you think they're soft. No, and- no, they're trash.
1: North Shore's trash. And I have a lot of arguments with people. I got a buddy from Arlington, which I, I don't think I don't consider I don't think that North Shore. But yeah. I'm talking Saugus, Revere, Saugus Danvers, counts. trash. So, Portnoy's a North Shore guy. Swampscott's a nicer town. That and Marblehead are like the only two they got. Now, if you come at the South Shore, you go at Abington, Rockland, all these kind of sketchy areas, but situate's beautiful, right on the water. Very weird people from situate, myself included. It's not exactly like a normal town, but I did love growing up there.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's actually kind of cool because once I got to Vermont, yeah, I went to UVM and it was all north and south shore kids and you know you're sort of learning about it and then I'd go back to visit and I'd hang out in Norwell, we go to Hingham, end up in Duxbury and I was like, "Oh, this is like kind of cool. They don't have to get on a boat to visit dudes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they can or just play a sport <laughs> against another like town." Okay, but see, that was the best thing about high school for us in the vineyard is that everybody tried out for every team because like I was on, you know, I ran track. I fucking hated it because I'd get to school at 8 a.m. and I'd be on a 10 a.m. boat, and we'd take the boat over. The track meet would be in the afternoon because the whole thing was based on getting the last boat back. I didn't want to stay over. So, like you had guys out of coming out of the woodworks, being like, "I'm going to throw the shot put this year," <laughs> just because you get out of class two days a week. It was an incredible, incredible
1: scam. I never thought. I never actually thought about how early you'd have to leave to make maybe
0: a, a game against Marshfield or something. That's true. Well, Dude, I mean, we had a sea conk out of conference where we got our asses kicked. Some kid got 40 on us. And then when Provincetown was the best, I mean, you'd literally put your, your, you'd go to your locker and we were on a 9 a.m. boat driving the whole way up the Cape. And then if we missed the last boat back, which was very possible with a Provincetown game, we'd get McDonald's or Wendy's or whatever. And because we didn't have fast food on the vineyard, you can't have it on the vineyard. All of us would just be puking and shitting at practice the next day because our bodies weren't conditioned to it. You're like, this is the best. No class, fast food. And I'm sick the next day. So I get to stay home. Uh, so what ended up like there's a hockey factory. You're a young kid. It's clear you're going to be good. This is a decision you have to make at a young age. Like, how do you end up there? Yeah, so I actually was at Nobles, Noble and Greenhouse School in Dedham, which is a
1: beautiful campus. It actually has kids live there. There's a prep school that it's all day students. Nobles has kids live there, but they have to go home on the weekend. So it's not full uh, prep. But we had, I had a girl from situate that was a senior when I was in eighth grade. She used to drive me every day. Sit to Dedham. Like, I don't even know if you could do it now with the traffic, but it was so long that she graduated. My parents are like, we're not driving you up there. So fair it is. Fair also had a way better program. My freshman year at fair, I was lucky enough to make the varsity team. I think all seven seniors got full four year hockey scholarships. Ryan Cox went to UVM, Brooks Orpic, who ended up winning Stanley Cup, playing in the NHL forever, went to BC, Brad Mills, Merrimack, Mike, Ear air star goal, UNH. So it was just Jack Baker went to B. it was amazing. And like getting to make the team was crazy. We were one of the best teams in new England, but, um, it was also not too bad. Situated brain tree, not a bad ride. They had a legendary coach there, Jack Foley who'd been. So it was pretty cool to get to kind of play at high. I mean, I was playing pee wee hockey basically the year before and then boom, I'm playing against 18-year-olds at high level. High school hockey's changed so much around here, Ryan. It sucks. It's like there's junior teams and there's it's just nothing like it was back in the day. Prep school hockey, that was the
0: best hockey around. Okay, and I I want you to explain the difference. I understand it somewhat, um, just because of the buddy part of it. I get the basketball part where it's like AAU, and if you have enough yeah. size, you're kind of on this list, and you're getting offers early. Granted, things have changed a bit now with the NIL and the G League, saying hey, if you don't want to go that route, you can do this. We've had guys go to New Zealand and Australia, but for hockey, like you're you're facing a pretty significant decision at a really young age to just kind of get out of the high school, get out of the cut, like to go juniors and then maybe figure it out and not even deal with college. So you're weighing how much different shit are you weighing and how close was it to going to a different path for you? I was
1: always going to go play college hockey. I mean, every kid in not every kid, 90 percent of kids in Canada play junior, which is their version of college, but they're professionals. Boom. They're not amateurs anymore. They're getting paid a little bit, not much, but they are pros. Whereas American kids, like I went, you know, my family, my parents with the Holy Cross, they were very big on me going to college. I actually promised them I would graduate college when I left and turned pro early from BU. I haven't done that. I feel bad, but fuck, I'm so busy with the podcast, buddy. You know what I'm talking about. I can't go. I can't even, I wouldn't be able to graduate, I don't think. On how, many credits, how many credits do you need? So I've stayed for three years, but I'm two years short of graduating. So I was a full year behind school-wise. I just kept, I couldn't pass Spanish one. College of Arts and Science at BU, you got to ask Spanish. I'm like, what is this? What is the point of this?
0: But here, no, I'm not. They here, dropped there. when I was at UVM, they dropped our language requirement after my freshman year, and guys were like, it's on. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they probably saw you. They're like, this kid's never going to graduate if we get, if we keep this program. <laughs> but uh, so I, 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 my father grew up hating BC. His dad hated BC. So I used to go to BU games and mid 90s, BU was. I mean, they had Chris Drury, Jay Pandolf. The list goes on and on of these like legendary NHLers. So it was my dream. And then I got I got offered a full scholarship there when I was a sophomore in high school. And boom, I committed right then. I committed so early. Now, the shitty thing about that is they've kind of changed a little bit where they can't offer kids too early. Because what they were doing is they were having eighth graders commit. And sports is crazy. The way your body matures, all of a sudden, three years later, the kids aren't that good anymore. And they're like pulling these kids scholarships. So... I think it got a little ridiculous and I'm sure you've seen it with all the the, the college basketball prospects, but I never even thought about going junior. And, and I look back on it now. I, I'm so happy I did college and even talking to guys who played junior hockey and then in the NHL, a guy like Mark Recchi, Hall of Fame, just a legend. He said, if my son was really good at hockey, I'd want him to go to college because junior, you're on the bus, you're living with billets. Yeah, it's very good hockey and you got your close buddies, but College. You're living in dorms with girls. You're. It's like you're getting an education. If if you don't make it to the NHL, it's it's a good good way to look back or, or have a have another plan there. So college hockey for me, and it
0: continues to actually just rise like this, it's getting better and better. So when you're a BU guy, do you hate BC the most? It was funny because I actually lived on Com Ave, like right in between the two schools, too. Oh, near like um. What, what was... I all right. So this is actually gets back to our Vineyard Situate thing. Like, I remember I was at Davio's with a buddy and I was like 29. And I fucking am still broke and I'm dying. It sucks. Right. Because I'm like, oh, no, I'll be good. I'll be good at this. Like, What am thing. I going to do? Right. Right. And now it's like your buddies are going on vacations. They're thinking about like getting a place in Stowe and you're like fucking A. Like, I'm still bouncing checks. And I was talking to a girl at Davio's and she was like, well, where do you live? I was like, oh, I'm a calm because my buddy was making money. He had a place in Marlboro. And she's like, oh. wow, Marlboro. And he was like early Marlboro. And so his, he was set. And I was like, oh, I'm on Comma And she's like, what number? <laughs> you're like, I'm in the basement. I don't have a bathroom. I was bro. like, 1949. she's like, so Brighton. So you're in Brighton. But I was like, yeah, but it's that nice stretch before you get to BC after you get past Cleveland Circle. It's that nice stretch. And she was like, beat it. Yeah, yeah like I go to Great Scots every night. Remember that bar? <laughs> I Dollar I, draft night. That was, uh, I was a little old for Great Scotts yeah. at that stage because <laughs> that would have been a, that would have been a like, what the hell happened last night? And be like, dude, we were waiting in line at Great Scots. It's okay. the crack beer. I'm convinced.
1: It's like the garden. They don't clear like the, 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 whatever the lines. The the, yeah. The lines you end up, you have three of them. You're blacked out. I'm like, this place is ridiculous. Wednesday night, Great Scott. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was an easy decision for me, college hockey and then Now it's pretty cool, like being an alumni, even though I didn't graduate, but BU just got
0: into the frozen four. So it's exciting. Yeah, it's a really cool element to the the college part of it, because like when I ever I talked to like the B.C. football guys, I go, dude, I've traveled everywhere now for college football. I think I've been to 60 plus campuses. And the fact that I lived within walking distance to B.C.'s campus on a Saturday and you wouldn't know that there was a game. It's pathetic. Like, you wouldn't know there was a college football game. And I didn't know any better because, again, the Boston part of it for college sports, like if you're in that world, you're super into it. But it also could be invisible to most of the people being like, what's going on? Or, oh, BU's oh, good. Yeah. Or BC's good. Uh, but I i guess it's kind of like weird to go to school in a city only because my experience, like I feel like I went to the best college town ever in Burlington. But yeah, being that's top notch. But being in a city, though, and being like a college star... It just adds this other element to like, you know, we can do the divey stuff with us, but we also kind of have a city here if we want to do that, too. I don't even know if you venture, because I think a lot of the BC kids never even bothered. No, see, BC, but
1: they had kind of like more stuff like right there, Cleveland Circle. That was the one thing that, and I wouldn't change a thing, but once I started, once I turned pro and met kids that played at Minnesota or Michigan and the football programs, the basketball programs, the overall campus. I mean, BU's campus is calm out. So when we went out, I mean, I had to get a fake ID. My freshman year got got taken like three times, but we ended up having to go down to Boylston. So we're going to bars. And like, granted, there'd be some BU kids there that would know where to go. Well, we went to dad's diner, which turned into Foggy Goggle, I think, which turned into McGreevy's. And now I think it's closed. COVID fucking crushed it. But we ended up, we ended up kind of living a city life where I I truly didn't really experience like You're talking about Burlington or I'm talking about Ann Arbor, things that are really college-like. I did miss out on that. So looking back, it's like, that's why the more college hockey, the more of these big-time football schools that get hockey programs, like Penn State's really good now at hockey. Arizona State's going to end up being good. It's I want to see the SEC get college hockey, and then you're going to see an explosion because the overall campus vibe is something I certainly
0: missed out on. So uh, we could do some career stuff, but I I do want to talk about the podcast, and maybe that's a good transition here. Yeah, my career, there's not much to talk about. (laughs) Talk about the podcast. I'm way better at that. (laughs) What's it like to be traded twice in a year? Was Was that what happened? Yeah, dude, I got traded my mom was going through the craziest
1: time in her life. Like she was in the hospital and I was back visiting her and I get a phone call from Ray Sherrill, who's an unreal guy who's GM of the penguins at the time. And he called me and said, "Hey Ryan, I traded you. I was like, "What?" I was like, what? And then I hang up and she's in the hospital bed and I got traded to Anaheim. Holy shit. And the, everyone knows the story. I got, or not everyone, not your listeners. probably. I got traded for a guy, Chris Kunitz, who went on to win three Stanley Cups and be a hero in each one of them for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got him for me. So I feel like I was a part of those Cups because without me, they don't have him. But then I go to Anaheim. We had a pretty good year that year. We went to, we lost game seven of the second round to Detroit, who ended up going on to the Cup Finals and losing to my former team. So the next year I come back, I'm not playing well. My feet are all already fucked up. And uh, do you know who Bob McKenzie is? Uh, the name Ring a Bell. He's the does. number. He's actually retired. He's the number one insider for the NHL, or he was. Yeah, yeah. He broke trades. He broke everything. And so uh, the deadline's at three o'clock. Now this is the next year, and he writes out at two fifty. Uh, rumblings that Ryan Whitney might be traded by Anaheim, but looks like they're going to keep him. I'm like, yes. I didn't want to get traded again. I was just like, oh, I, uh, thank God. Three twenty, my phone rings. It's Bob Murray. So I said Ray Sherrill is a great guy, former GM of the of the Penguins. Bob Murray is the exact opposite. Prick. Maybe the meanest, grumpiest bastard I've ever met in my life. True scumbag, if you ask me. He calls me, I traded you. I go, where? He goes, Edmonton. I'm like, no. Oh no. <laughs> and he just hangs up. And um, I was like, oh my God. Like, you go from being a draft pick with Pittsburgh, going to the cup finals, everything's going good, signed a big contract get traded from there and then 365 days later boom i'm gone to edmonton now it was just like such a whirlwind um so yeah it was kind of kind of disgusting career the way it all
0: ended up going but there were some good times early on i'll say that yeah because you're in an awesome hockey setup in pittsburgh oh the best even though you know i wouldn't put anaheim as one of the tier one hockey hubs uh in the league you're Still at least cali You're in California. So like, what was it like? Because granted, this is the first time I moved to Manhattan Beach just about five years ago. It's the first time I've not lived in New England. I've lived in Vermont forever, Connecticut, Massachusetts. I did six months in Jersey. It wasn't jail. It was just the Trenton minor league team. That's the only time I didn't live in New England was that six months. And so for me to move out to California, and again, you get this too, like Boston guys are experts on everything without ever experiencing anything. And actually knowing nothing, like knowing I, I, nothing.
1: If you don't call me out, you'd think I know everything. But my friends are like, "What? Hey, where'd you hear that?"
0: I'm just like, "I made it up." <laughs> but you could get away with that in Cali. People just believe you. They're so gullible. Well, because they're also lying to you though too, all the time <laughs> in California. That like it's a different kind of lying. Where Boston, it's like, "No, dude, he fucking that guy." Invented. He's full of shit, guy. Yeah. <laughs> he invented. Dude, he's Milwaukee Tools. That's his dad. Um, I, I. <laughs> I get out here and I'm like, oh, this is why so many people live here. So then like did you, as a New England as a Boston guy, the, where did you live? Because granted, you're still going to have to be probably close to Anaheim. Were you in Newport? Yeah, I was in Newport on um, Balboa. Um, you were Penins- on the Balboa, Balboa Island. Island. Okay. Yeah, yeah Balboa Peninsula.
1: Wherever. It was beautiful. Rented a sick house. Could walk to the beach. And and it, it was it was weird because like living out there, it's amazing. Like it's just the, the weather and every single day, like it's just perfect. But part of me, part of me missed a little bit of like hockey season where, where it's, and guys, guys will shit on me because guys who've played amazing out there are like, what are you talking about? But it's, it's a little bit, at least at the beginning, tough to like, all right, you're, you're leaving the house in flip flops. You're going to the rake, but dude, it's game on. Whereas, like, when it's cold and 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 it just feels like hockey season, you're a little bit more dialed in. But maybe that's just me looking for excuses because I'd finish practice in Pittsburgh, and we'd go get like, you know, a bite to eat and a beer, and then we'd go nap. And in in L.A., I'm going for walks. I'm just ha- going on the out the Fashion Island. I'm just laughing, playing golf. That's when I started playing golf, and and that was kind of where. The thought of going to Edmonton, the minute he said that to me, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, 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 get, I'm going back to hockey season, all right? I'm going to be plugging my car in at night so the thing starts the next morning.
0: That's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect segue into being like, okay. But I got the sense, especially like in the playoffs last year, like when you go to Edmonton, you appreciate it in a way because that, I mean, you want to talk about it meaning a lot to people. Oh. That... That actually kind of, you know, granted, I I know it's probably not most Americans' first choice to go play, but you're not going to find many places that care as much as they do. No, playing in Canada is unreal if, big if, the team's good.
1: And our team in Edmonton was so bad. I mean, those years, like 2010 to kind of like 16, 17, till McDavid came there and they started getting better. I mean, we're talking like worst team in the league yet. The arena is jam-packed every single game. You come off the ice practice. There's, there's 15 reporters in there. You open the Edmonton Journal. I mean, there's, they, have a, they have a CFL team, the Eskimos, I think it is. But that, the Oilers, it's a million people in the city. You're opening the paper. First six pages are Oilers, and you're, and you're in last place. So that part of it's like, oh, my God, like I'm under the gun. I'm making a lot of money. We suck. I suck. This is a nightmare. And at the same time, saying... If you were, if the team was ever good, this would be amazing because the passion is just—it's unlike anything I've ever seen. You could probably say it for all all the teams in Canada, all seven of them. But it's it, when you're struggling there, man, it, it's a fishbowl. Like I—I I told the story on Chickot's a bunch. I mean, I was I was kind of public enemy number one there for a little bit, and I'm out to eat. I'm having an, a steak at the where maybe Cactus Club or Joey's, one of these chains in Canada. And this guy comes up and he's just like, you fucking suck. And I'm like, I I got the bite of the sirloin. I'm like, I'm just trying to eat my goddamn steak, bud. Like, Jesus Christ, you know? So if you're playing good, those fans are coming up, patting you on the back and buying you beers. But it's just the exact opposite when things aren't going great.
0: Why were you public enemy number one? I was just a tall
1: defenseman who didn't hit. So it's like you see size in the NHL. You're like, that guy better be running people over. And then I wasn't putting up points because my, I, was, I couldn't really skate that well anymore with my, all my injuries. So it was just like, I was kind of an easy, if you look a lot of times at NHL, um, whipping boys with fans, a lot of times it's bigger defensemen that aren't very fast and that have like the occasional turnover issue. Well, I was the trifecta, right? I couldn't skate that fast anymore. I was turning it over cause my feet weren't working well and then I wasn't. Hitting anyone or fighting, so it's kind of one of those things where the good thing is now I've I've become I've taken the the saying of once an oiler always an oiler. That's in the dressing room there. I've now like taken over the fan bandwagon of oiler fans. I speak for all of them. I, I'm waiting till they win a Stanley Cup. So I've actually turned the tides to where, besides a few people who still hate me, I'm I think I'm genuinely pretty liked in the city of Edmonton now.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't have known any of that because I wasn't gonna be locked into the the deal. No, the you wouldn't on know the Oilers. Um, yeah, because the defenseman who doesn't score and doesn't fight and can't skate, what are you doing, bro? Right now, what are you I'm, doing? I'm name dropping because he's my buddy. Uh, but Aaron Miller who played at UVM and then was with the Avs. And I I bring this up, like, if you and Biz, not that you, you care enough to do it, but like, he gets called up. Right before the ABS win that first cup, but he doesn't dress for the Stanley Cup final. So I think the deal was they were like, "You can put your name on the cup, but you're a fucking asshole if you do." And he was like, "I won't do it." And you know, because that's the way he is. He's a great guy, but he's a defensive defenseman. He's not going to score any fucking goals ever, anything like that. And he's rolling along, and then the ABS trade him and Deadmarsh for Rob Blake, and they didn't even need Rob Blake, but. Like, if you can get Rob Blake, you get Rob Blake back then. And back then, the deadline, dude, was like, seriously, as you were packing for the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I remember. so late.
1: They got Bork the year before, and then they lost. And then that next year, they go to the deadline and get Rob Blake. I'm like, so they have Bork and Blake now and Patrick Waugh and Forsberg and Sackick. So I remember that deal because Deadmarsh was a big part of the 96 Cup that Colorado won. And then he, he battled so many concussions, but... Aaron Miller was a solid stay-at-home defenseman. Like he wasn't going to do any flashy toe drags or anything, but he played a long time for playing solid D and and just being an overall good player.
0: Yeah, right. And he gets traded and then they go win the other cup. So he's like find somebody else in the major four sports that's that long in between being sandwiched without actually winning any of the cups. And like that's <laughs> back when you know, that's, that's kind of the Burlington summer and becoming buddies with the different dudes is because if you played at Burlington or if you played at UVM and you were with the team or you're in the, you know, you're in the minors and you're up at St. John or you're at the Lumberjacks in Cleveland, I think it was back yep. then. And all those guys would be like, I might as well just go back to Burlington for the summer. And then they're like, we still here, still <laughs> here. You know? And I stayed like another four years because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. So I'm bartending. So of course I'm going to be friends with all those dudes. And, uh, you know, I, I remember that series in particular, because like Aaron and I are watching the abs go on that run. And I'm like, who are you rooting for? And he's just like, they're all my buddies. I fucking love those guys. But <laughs> I'm like, what are we going to do? Root for the devils? Like, I can't do that. I can't root for the devils in this series. And it, oh. and it sucked. But, you know, Aaron. anyway, I mean, everybody that's ever played with Aaron or knows him just knows he's like the greatest dude ever. So, you know, yeah, everybody I've heard great things about him. And I also, I was there, I was, when I was watching
1: the Pittsburgh Penguins play the Red Wings in the cup final after I'd lost to the Red Wings the year before, all my friends, I was like, I love these guys. Like, I want them to win the Stanley Cup, but just not this year. Like, even though in my brain and I was saying, like, I want them to win, like, like, there's just a part of me that's like, I don't want them to win. And then they won and then it was me and uh, Ryan Malone was a guy and this other guy, Colby Armstrong, who'd been there and then weren't there for that thing. And I remember calling those guys. I got wrecked that night, too. I was just like, I can't believe this. Like, I'm watching all my friends lift the cup. I was I was with them three months ago. It's just I I feel
0: what Miller went through Yeah, because you and biz were terrific on the Jonathan Quick trade and, you know, you. You look at somebody, and this is actually the irony of this, of those you know who aren't locked into hockey, is, is Rob Blake, the defense we were talking about that my buddy was traded for, is the guy in charge of the LA Kings. I don't think many GMs in any sport would move on from an icon like Quick with the two cups, knowing that he thinks they're actually better now. And the Kings have kind of turned things around here. Again, I'm, I'm not watching it every single night. They like, look you'll, good. You'll laugh, but like there was an Oilers game on the other night, and I, I had one NBA game on on one TV and another TV. And I was like, oh, there's not a third NBA game on. I was like, I'll just throw on the Oilers. Cause I, I actually just, you know, I like it. And 10 minutes went by. I was like, you got to turn this Oilers game off, man, because you're not fucking watching any of the NBA stuff. Like you already know all the stuff over here. And like this, cause it has no reviews or commercial breaks. Like you, you can't stop watching the tape to tape skills of dry sidle. So oh, it's crazy. All, all right, let's, let's talk a little McJesus here. Give me the equivalent of who McDavid is in other sports and what this guy's doing right now. So uh, I, I've made the argument many times
1: on the pod, with I would say the internet more agreeing with me than disagreeing with me, which isn't common. I think he's better at hockey than any other athlete in in the world is at their respective sport. Um, the Even best Serena. Well, currently, I mean, okay, Serena, okay. Serena, Serena, Serena probably back then was better than. I mean, just I making had, sure. Very, very. Oh, I'm saying current. I'm saying current. The best argument would be Otani, the fact that he's hitting and pitching. It's, that, that would be one that I'm like, okay, I got to think about this. But this guy is doing things that we haven't seen done since Mario Lemieux. And Crosby came into the league, and I saw him. We were rookies together, and it was just a different game and a different sport and a generational player. And now McDavid, I mean, he's, he's crushing Crosby's career numbers. I mean, he's he's got 140 points this season. He's got he's got 60 goals. He's the best passer in the league. He's got 60 goals. The most goals Ovechkin's ever had in a season is 65. He's going to get he's going to get six more goals this year. Ovechkin's going to become the greatest goal scorer of all time. So it's like when you're that much faster than everyone, for some reason people who don't even know hockey, they see on TV like my wife or my buddy who's not a hockey fan, he comes over he's like, "Who's that guy?" Like you just You've never really seen anything like it, and to see somebody that it looks that easy, it doesn't make sense. It's like, all right, what league is he going to next? There's
0: going to be another league for him. It's like Pedro, right? It's it's like Pedro in ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, you were like, there has to be another league that he has to yeah. pitch to now. Like, no, it's a great way of putting it. I've I've used the same thing for certain guys. And and um,
1: I just I just think that. I I wish he was a little bit more kind of open and, and liking to do media. I don't blame him for having no interest. He's Canadian. He's been in the spotlight since he's eight years old. I mean, he's one of those true prodigies. And I think all it's all about cups for him. And I think once he wins a cup, if he wins a cup, hopefully he might open up a little bit, but for him, it's like, I I, I don't, it's, it's why I kind of like hockey a lot. And it's obviously different for everyone, but, it's more about like the team, the team, and I don't really want to be the center of attention to everyone if I haven't gotten to that ultimate goal yet. But watching him isn't it's it's so amazing watching what he does. The only player in the world who is at least as fast, if not faster, with the puck. Everyone gets the puck. they slow down. Your brain, it has to. You got to think
0: about what you're doing with it. He somehow goes faster, and I've never seen it before. The Bruins record's insane. The depth yep. is insane. I mean, to add Bertuzzi to the mix while Hall's out and then be like, okay, this is crazy. Uh, the goalie depth. I mean, I, oh. I was back on the vineyard for three weeks this month and I was listening to local radio and they were bitching about like, oh, we have too many like goalies. <laughs> Just like, They're so up. dumb. They're so dumb. <laughs> they don't know anything. Well, you're not going to you're not platooning your goalies in the playoffs. I would think even I know that, but. Your sport is weird in that you can have this record where they might not even have 15 losses this season and you still don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. So let me just ask you, like, give me your full... Because I don't like, well, if they don't to win the Cup, that means none of this matters. Are they actually this nasty? Are they as nasty as their record is? And does that mean you think they're just going to roll through the East? Yes, they are.
1: They are as good as uh, advertised in watching all these games. It's like there's the depth. They have three number one defenseman, maybe two number ones, and then like a number one and a half or two, but like nobody has that really. And what you said is interesting though, like that, the NBA, like a team like this in the NBA, like they're not losing first round. Tampa Bay did this. They pretty much did exactly what the Bruins are doing in 2019 and lost in the first round. So that's the scary part. And I think that's why hockey fans, even and, and Bruins fans, I should say, they're, they're comfortable. Um, they're, they're a little bit cocky, but in the back of their mind, they all know, okay, we get the Islanders and the Islanders have this amazing goalie top three, four goal in the league. Like, what if, what if we, we, we lose game one and then he gets hot. It's just like hockey's so fucked up that you don't know. Having said all that, I'd be completely shocked if they don't, if they don't, Go to the cup final. I really, I really would be. I think that they're going to win the first round. Then they have Toronto or Tampa. That'll be super difficult. And then you're looking at like Carolina or the Rangers or maybe the Devils, but they're better. They're that much better than everyone else where I I would be surprised if they don't go on a run this year. And the main thing is they have this like leadership with Bergeron. Tres Bergeron is like who you'd kind of want your son or daughter to play hockey like if they played, just like it's never cheating for offense it's 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 never like taking care of a teammate i've been told by several people he's he's going up to guys and he's asking about their personal lives how's everything going like he's just so dialed into being a leader that he's created a culture there where i would be very surprised if they don't go on a run winning the stanley cup I'm not gonna say that but if they're not in the easter conference final or the cup final i'll be shocked
0: the reason I love your podcast, there's a lot of reasons, um, but the breakout Thank videos you. on just hockey guys telling stories because there's literally nothing, few course lights, it's getting late, hockey guys telling stories. There's <laughs> it's honestly, if you did it as a live show, it would it would sell out arenas. We've been doing live shows. No, no, I mean not just you do, like I'm t- I'm saying oh just that hockey con- guys, right, I right, know. right, like telling like the one I think you had of like the old timer who was like they were out in Montreal and they were all fucked up and they were like get us, you know, to the <laughs> That was me. That was me. <laughs> oh, that was you? That was me and Rob Scuderi. And uh, Rob
1: Scuderi ended up winning Stanley Cups. LA, great guy. I'll, I'll tell it quick for people who haven't heard it. So we're in Montreal. We're banged up. We won. And then we weren't flying out until the next morning. Like, that's a flashing green light in the NHL in that city. So we come out of the bar. We're buckled. It's 2 in the morning. We get in the cab right in front of the bar. And I'm like, oh, Ritz Carlton, please. The guy's like, what? And my buddy Scott is like, the Ritz Carlton, please. He's like, uh, uh and I'm like, buddy, the Ritz fucking Carlton. Come on, let's go. Like he goes, okay. The Ritz Carlton. He must have driven eight yards, dude. It was literally, I'm telling you, it was literally eight yards across the street. And he's like, that'll be 475 Canadian. <laughs> Oh, it was so, there were so many different times of just like laughing with guys on the road and and the chirping that goes on with each other. That's the only thing I miss. The only thing I miss is just the locker room and guys making fun of each other and making fun of themselves and all that little stuff
0: that just adds up. Yeah, you know, when you look at how long hockey players have played, and this isn't new, this isn't the new science that we're seeing with quarterbacks or the NBA. And then sometimes I'd be like, I just wouldn't want to stop doing that, you know, because it's know. it's it's really all you've known. Because hockey's very specific in that. I think there's an earlier buy-in for that being your lifestyle Big than time. some of the other sports, where it's like, okay, we're going to be doing all, like your parents, your parents have to really want you to play hockey. <laughs> for you to play I hockey know. and, and have that foundation of the skills and all the ice time in the early mornings and the late nights, like it's a massive, massive commitment. So I feel like in a way, the hockey player that makes it to the league, you know, you're talking about 30 years and then there's yeah. this fucking emergency break of life where next thing you know, you're 40 and you're picking up kids in a minivan. And it, and it's like, I think, that, that's I, that's yeah, right. I think that has a lot though, to do with the personality of the hockey player, generally being as everybody always says they'll be like look you know of all the pro athletes like you know i I think it's always kind of a funny conversation of like who's the fun ones to hang out with um i think it's almost that you're not only conditioning your skills but you're conditioning your personality in this way where it's just a different upbringing than the other sports it's a different upbringing um like i'm biased it's
1: for me from what i've seen it's kind of guys buying into like being on a team, maybe a little bit more than other sports. And and there's obviously teams around every single league that are so bought in and as one. But hockey is just like you spend so much time together. You've been doing it for so long, as you mentioned, whereas like you hear of these amazing football or basketball players that they started playing when they're like 12 years old. Like that doesn't happen in hockey. It, it, you're just too far behind. It's over. Right. It's over. So it's like kids. It's it's weird being a dad now. And my son's like he's five. So he's like starting to skate. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, am I really getting into this and what my dad did? Like all those rides. It's crazy to think about. But the hockey player is like somebody who after all the times in the locker room and every single year that all these memories are made and all like these different stories come out of the season that when it does end, it's like, holy shit, like this is all I know, really. So that's why like I'm so lucky and biz says the same thing like I swear to god the 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 one thing about spit and chicklets is it's given us something post career because we've both seen some guys that they just struggle and, and 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 the crazy part is like having a lot of money can almost make it even harder because then you got you got free time and you got money that's never really like a great combo unless you're 65 and retired so, guys who are kind of like, "What do I do?" I don't really know what to get into because this is all I've done my entire life. It, it makes it a little difficult, but it's such a s- small, close community that you see like hockey people taking care of one another pretty well, and and a lot of times, uh, guys will guys will have a very a favorite teammate or a special teammate along the along the run, and say that guy goes on to be a GM or assistant GM while that guy retires, he's going to help him get a scouting job. He's going to help him at least get his foot in the door. So it's, it's kind of like taking care of your own a little bit. I'll say it's, it it is a very close community. You see when, when, you know, tragedies have struck the humble bus crash, things that have kind of rocked the core of hockey, like the whole community gets together. And I think that is a little different than some other sports.
0: Okay. This is a perfect way to close it then. Um, Because I know that you've gone at NBA guys in the past, so I'd like to just argue a couple rapid-fire points here and just see what you think. Okay, Um, How good do you think LeBron would be if he played in two-minute shifts? Uh, he would he would be like bitching and whining and wouldn't come
1: off when it's his turn to change shift. He wouldn't even do it. You can't even imagine the guy. No, I'd be waving his hand at the coach saying no, making it all about himself. So bad.
0: Okay. All right. Fair. I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, if hockey players are so cool, how come <laughs> they don't have sneaker deals? Because they wear
1: these heavy ass gross skates that nobody in the world gives a shit about besides hockey people. That's a big time fumble in terms of hockey is that they put blades on the on the sneakers. We'd have sick deals if we could put a blade on a Nike. Whose sneaker would you be least likely to
0: buy? Kyrie. Like who's, who's, no, I meant your who's your NHL Kyrie? Oh, um, Can you do that with a pod this popular? Are you afraid, you know, maybe you don't get No, I don't from- really,
1: I don't, I I haven't really gone at many. I haven't really gone at many guys in the NHL. We're kind of a player's podcast. That's tough to call somebody out right now like that. I might not put you on the spot. I don't even know if, if Genie, I feel... if Evgeny Kuznetsov, because he's been a bitch the past few years and requested a trade, and and he's Russian. I'll probably never meet him.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, how about this? Um, do you think that hockey players hang in packs versus NBA players sort of doing the solo thing is actually because they aren't as needy as friends. I
1: think that if it ever comes up, push comes to shove and one of the boys are in trouble. That's why they're all right next to him as all their fellas. You know, who's John Moranka besides a couple of his buddies. If that strip club night goes awry.
0: Oh, I guess he's got his gun. Excuse me. Well, okay. But shotgun willies is a nice establishment. Just I've for heard the record. that. I've just heard for that. The record. Okay. I've heard that. Well, uh,
1: before before your last one, I mean look at what Lillard just said. I saw a clip just today on Damian Lillard like how the NBA now is not what he uh, saw when he came in and he doesn't like it. I mean, that's a guy I can get behind because he seems
0: like it's all about the team and not himself. Okay, that's a good that's a good last one then. Uh do NBA players Asking for trades, does that actually tell us that NBA players have more self-confidence than NHL players?
1: Yes. 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 I actually think if there's one thing you could take from an NBA player to give to an NHL player is the self-belief because you can, you can be horrible in the NBA and guys are still like, I'm the man, I'm the number one player trade for me. Whereas a number one player in the NHL is probably like, I got to play better, man. I'm not doing my job right now. So maybe a little more self belief and self confidence be a good thing in the NHL.
0: That's Ryan Whitney, spit chicklets bar stool. Uh it is it's terrific. I I love it and you biz RA Mike man, thanks for uh the time. Oh, thanks thanks thank you to, for having me on and
1: congrats on all your success man. Anytime we'll have to we'll have to bring you on around uh, maybe NBA finals, NHL finals, we could do a little crossover.
0: Perfect. Looking forward to it. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. Modelo knows it's not about whether you win or lose. It's about cheering louder, traveling further. It's about showing up no matter what. Because you are a fighter and Modelo is your reward. An ice cold reward. Rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop, delivery, or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. Uh, the final season Sunday night was, uh, the first episode. So we're going to recap them here. It's our homework assignment for the show. Uh, I, I have no problem. Who wants to start
2: it off here? I don't (laughs) go ahead, Kyle. Oh, okay. Um, i think everybody's the highlight of everybody's episode was discussing brothers and, and just the top the tom and greg dynamics just been a joy to watch and and have it grow and and all that stuff and, and it seems like these guys are a little big for their britches i'm sure that'll come back and get them at some point in this final season and then the other thing i would say is uh my fiance who's really just could not could not care less about about the show she always says she loved the music but she's on her phone she's on her tablet she's playing Fucking Animal Crossing on the Switch while while I'm watching, I was like, I have to do, I have to watch this when it comes out on Sundays. Blah blah. blah. And she asked me yesterday if we could watch in the beginning because uh, the end of the end of the episode where uh, Logan had one of his one-liners that uh, he looks like a ball sack and a toupee, and she just fucking lost it. And it was enough that one-liner was enough for her to be like, "Can you watch this from season one with me?" And I said yes. So she's she's in on the one-liners. She liked ball sack and a toupee. And uh yeah,
3: that was great. I have I have one different one liner that I like throughout there. I mean, just tough episode for for Greg's love life, but I mean, Bridget random fuck was one of one of the best <laughs> lines of the entire episode. And like everybody's kind of, I was I've been doing some reading, I've been doing some listening. Everyone's kind of like wondering if Carrie is like a thing now. I I didn't really pick up that vibe, but people kind of think that she's I don't know maybe just trying to swoop in and she's potentially obviously she's in Logan's ear. Yeah. She's been in Logan's ear. I I just, I don't, I don't know that I think she has like a ton of power. Maybe it's building towards that, but I just thought that that whole dynamic was really funny of Greg obviously bringing this random chick who's taking selfies with Logan to this party that he doesn't even want to be at for his birthday. He actually leaves and goes out to dinner with some guy who doesn't, he doesn't want to talk to. He just wants to talk to anybody. It's pretty sad, but, uh, but Bridget random fuck to me was the highlight of the episode.
0: Well, the carry calls accurate. It's very clear. Like, I think from the jump that was by design. She had a, she had way more dialogue in one of her first scenes than she's ever right. had. Totally. So, uh, and as much as I love the show, and you know, it's it's MVP vote for you know it's going to be de- it's going to depend on how it finishes here in season four. Uh, Marsha, you know, it wasn't that interesting. It just wasn't that interesting. I know what they tried to do, and it's like one of the one parts of the show where I was like, I don't know. Like I was never super into those scenes. They basically were like, here's your check. See you later. And she was off of the show. And I wonder if that was like a conscious thing to go like those scenes don't really seem to pop. So now you have this dynamic of Carrie, who's the assistant who they're just railing on the entire time. They're on (laughs) the phone. I mean, they're just destroying her. And she's like, Hey, what's up now? Yes. Uh, Zoom has denied thousands of bros in the office from walking up to each other, whispering the disgusting brothers. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know the origin. I need to know the writer's room. There had to have been from one of the writers who had a story, some guys from like a summer house that they had and. They said they were the disgusting brothers and now it gets to play out for everybody. It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. And I can't, I kept rewinding it over and over again. Greg is like, he is, it's like Zach Levine on a drive where I'll be like, what did did that just happen? And then I rewind it because I want to make sure I saw what Zach Levine just did. And, like I was watching season three leading up to it. So, you know, when Tom is pissed at Greg again and he gives him the shitty office that he ends up trashing later. Right. <laughs> and he's like, Greg, here's your new office. And Greg goes, I mean, uh, it's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if you read about the way, like they do, you know, Kalka's character, they were like, hey, do more improv, you know, do it more. It, It is the rare show... And the, part of it's the way I believe from what I've read and, and how they'll do it. It's the rare show where it doesn't feel like actors are reading a script. It doesn't. And the awkwardness crushes all the time. Again, back to season three when they find out that the investigation that the, that the evidence isn't actually that strong and they're all having champagne, right? And Tom's this is before he trashes Greg's new office because he, he's excited that he doesn't think he's going to go to jail. Um, the character, one of the characters is raising the champagne. Um, is it Carl?
3: Carl's the yeah.
0: Blonde guy. Right. Yeah. Right. Who played Sledgehammer. Um wicked old reference. He he raises like I didn't even notice it the first time around because that's how the dialogue flies around. He raises a champagne glass and goes, take me home, country roads. <laughs> and and, and it, doesn't have, it doesn't make, everybody else is talking. He's being ignored. He's in the corner, and he raises it up, and it's so awkward, it doesn't make any fucking sense. And that's actually why I think this show, when people watch it, they like it, because it feels like something different. It actually feels like you're just watching these people talk, and the way they've grown as a cast, where they kind of know each other's beats after these seasons, it's pretty rare stuff.
3: Carl actually has my favorite where one of my favorite lines in the entire show. Remember where they're in Turkey and like they're in that hostage situation and he just says to everybody, he's like, I don't want to learn everybody, but I'm currently having a panic attack. Yes. <laughs> That's like one, of, one, of, one of the best lines in the entire, in the entire, I, I kind of love Carl, even though he's like a minor character. Uh, but I, I, I'm with you, Ryan, like the conversation with them at the beginning when they're just talking it out and they have this, the, the hundred thing, which seems like a terrible idea. And they're all because like it, going it's, along it's, with- it
0: speaks to like every dude who, like, you'll go, What are you talking about? He's like, We're tech, we're masterclass, we yeah, we're Substack, <laughs> we're you know, we're a right. home, we do it, we don't do it all, but we, yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. We, we're
3: we're fast paced, we're moving, yeah, exactly. And you know, and but none of them actually like we're in an amazing all space
0: for- right now. This is an amazing space to be in, go but
3: ahead. it reminded me like, like the way their relationship is only through fucking with each other and it's kind of how like it reminds me of my friend group like we're not really good with a lot of emotions like we could usually tell when someone's bummed or whatever but like we thrive when we're just fucking with each other and that's where we're comfortable and that's where they are and anytime they have to like really deal with some actual drama like they're all kind of awkward about it and then when they get back to just fucking with each other or fucking with other people that's when they're at their most comfortable state so I don't know it just it just I think it's relatable because I think there's a lot of people that could relate to that. If just like you know, kind of you're putting you're putting a lot of like the real serious life issues to the side just to get a couple jokes off, and uh, you know, it's it's it is the dialogue between those three is just kind of the best part of the show. And then obviously Greg and Tom.
2: It was great because it started out like you said, like we're like, all right, where are these guys at? They're in like some. I don't know what is it like a rental house or something. Meeting, doing this business that nobody wants, and they're like, ah, I guess we'll just get some Saudi money. They're like off to a horrible start, right? They're like they're w- making these. I don't know if they're Saudis, but they're like, what did he say? It's like Tell them to to shove the, those five minutes off their human rights violations or, or their human rights track record. Find a reporter, put the cigarette out on or something. What was that? Yeah, <laughs> it was <laughs> just like, like yeah, exactly. So it's like they just they really started off quite terribly, and uh, and, it, and they were just kind of waiting for one person to be like, should we like. Like people like, should we go do something else? And we're all waiting for for somebody to be like, "Hey, should we just go do the other thing that we really want to do?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, no, let's do that." So that was that was a it was a, a strange start to the episode for them. And uh, I really didn't. know. I was like, "They're really we're gonna watch them build this fucking media whatever company." I'm I'm glad we don't have to watch them. Yeah. Do that. I
3: have I have three things real quick um that I that are questions for you guys.
2: So three, three
0: things.
3: Well, no, I, I just cause, <laughs> just because like maybe maybe it went over my head. Maybe I don't know. First and foremost. Uh, how the fuck did they come up with ten billion dollars? Does anybody else doing the math on this to buy Nan's company to buy the Pierce thing? Everyone have,
2: gets they three. Have, they I think. like two
3: point, I don't. I thought they had like two point five million or billion liquid. I just didn't understand how they got to ten.
2: Borrow money. I think their percentage of the company was is even. And I thought they said it was like three. So I think they have nine. And I don't know. No, the no, 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 one. no.
0: That's why they were on the phone with the guy, because basically this is how it would really work is it was. And I think they were trying to convey that it's like you may be liquid of this, but because of who you are and what your asset is, like the banks, the lenders, that's why the guys were outside waiting for them to meet about the hundred to invest in it. So that's why they kept going back. And I think they did it as if it sounded absurd to be like, can we just throw another billion on it? As as ridiculous as that sounds to mere mortals, I think that was the whole point. Is that that's what that world is like? They're like, ah, just throw another billion on it. So that was the financer that they were going back and forth with, and that's why they kept making fun of him, being like, hey, yeah, I think we can do that. And he's like, well, I'm glad, man, Harvard Business School, you guys are because it was so casual.
2: Does that make point, sense? So that guy works for sense. the bank, or that guy's like a fucking agent for securing a loan. Like, not. The, I think he's just, just their bank. point man for financing. Okay. Yeah.
3: Um, qu- uh, question two, Tom, I, Tom just, he's playing both sides clearly right now. Right. I mean, he just, he went behind Logan's back. He didn't get the answer. I think that Logan wanted when he was asking about, am I good without ship? And he's like, yeah, if we're good, we're good. Right. Like, and <laughs> right. Which is incredible a non-answer. answer. <laughs> yeah. Like, complete <laughs> non-answer. Uh, I don't know. I just, I think Tom's my favorite character in the show just because easily he, He's hilarious. Obviously the relationship with Greg, but also he has like this really like emotional. There's like a real emotional depth there where I kind of feel bad for him more than I think any other character because he's just I don't know what his purpose is. Like he's he clearly loves Shiv. She doesn't love him back, but she kinda does, but it's never gonna really work out. And then he also doesn't really have a job unless he's married to Shiv. So I just love the Tom Dynamic, but it sounds like he is he trying to kind of play both sides here again.
0: Yes. I think that they plant those seeds with it because they did it too when Logan grabs his hand and says, I'll, you know, I won't forget what you did for me. And I think that was the start of the alliance when Tom went to Logan previously and said, if there needs I'll to lay be a, down. a body yeah, yeah. here, I'll, I'll go to jail for you. Um, and Shiv also straight up told him, like, I think the Shiv stuff, usually the relationship storylines, I'll be like, oh, we're taking a break from all the stuff that we like. But you can't <laughs> right. just have Greg, you can't have Greg line, you're just firing off one-liners for 60 minutes either um as great as they all are and I rewind them all being like I cannot believe like can you imagine Greg it would almost be like Mad Dog if Mad Dog sent in a demo tape today to a program director they'd be like are you fucking kidding me like what (laughs) and I I just wonder what it was like what is it Nicholas Braun who would be like how did you read for this did you And if he becomes, you know, a much bigger deal, like what will his next characters be? Not to say that this is the only thing he's ever
2: done. Uh, Can can he move off of that cadence ever? Like, could you have to do that weird sort of, I don't really know what to say. Like, it'd be weird to see him. It's like the Costanza. He's going to get Costanza, I think. I would pay money to have him at a party and just be Greg and be like, (laughs) you say
0: some of the stuff that you say, because it's so fucking funny, man. Like the Disgusting Brothers shouldn't,
2: crunchy peanut a- butter is so weird it's like what the fuck
0: and then and, yeah. and speaking of like some of the dialogue where it's just great it's like okay there's this big moment logan's pissed off again and then he's like somebody be funny
2: and <laughs> right.
0: it doesn't doesn't really mean anything you know what i mean that part of it doesn't really mean anything for the script he's like all right somebody tell a joke and carl's awful at it and the other guy's like that's not really my role and then greg's like you're you're mean you're, you're a mean person. <laughs> Where are and your kids, yeah. This isn't, yeah, this isn't, like, come on, roast me. You know, he's like, you're mean. And those scenes don't, they mean everything and they kind of mean nothing, if that makes any point. Like the dialogue is not written to show off, like, look at this great line that I'm writing for a television show. Where a lot of shows, you know, you can tell the writer's like showing off a little bit, you know, it'll be like, How come you don't wear a watch? But watch is just a mechanism for counting down time that we all have on this planet. And you're like, all right, okay, we got it. Um, Because then there's also the other pivot where people who don't like succession, and this is kind of, I think, our biggest issue with everything. Like, this isn't a TV thing. This isn't a political thing. This isn't a fucking MVP vote thing. This isn't everything. Where somebody says something, and then the easiest thing in the world is to be like, actually, no. Here's what here's why this isn't good, because if you wanted to take apart succession and go, I don't know, like Logan was mad about a deal and then the kids are mad at each other and they make fun of each other. And then we just do this for 50 episodes. Like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't care. Like you could you could just you could knock succession down by trying to just focus on like packaging it in a way where it's it's not that great. But I don't know. I watch a lot of TV. And to me, this is this is a special show
3: that's why i think it it has to end here because you can you can i just don't like tv shows that go on forever for the sake of going on forever sure could could they write like four more seasons of just like the kids fucking around with their dad and like trying to get one over on them and then there's different relationships and then they come back and sure but like i don't know i, I just don't know that it, i would i would enjoy it i would watch every episode and be happy and laugh every single time but this feels like the end point like you have to figure something out right now like this is the this is the point where of am sort of no return. So I do like that. They're sort of ending it here. So to your point, like, yeah, all right, they have a formula. They clearly stick to it, but I like that. They're just like, all right, we could just drag this thing on for 10 seasons and make a bunch of money and people watch it. But this is like a natural ending point. Um, the one thing you mentioned though, about that, about like Brian Cox and like how, you know, how, how, uh, how he's, I do know that, that scene, like, it doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I actually do think it does, though, because it just shows you how bored he is with these fucking people. You know, like, he doesn't, none of this, mat. he just, he doesn't, he, he, the only thing that he ever gets, you know, up for in life is, like, making a deal and fucking people over. He doesn't really like people's company. He doesn't, he doesn't, even his kids, like, he's just bored with everybody in the room. So when he does that, I think he's just trying to, like, be like, hey, I, I, it, I, it just goes a long way into showing, like, how weird his life is and how little, like, you know, interaction he has with people and how much he doesn't really care about that stuff.
2: Yeah, you could see how much he missed the dynamic of just having the kids in there because at least it's like Roman would say something fucking funny to him if he asked him to. You know that would have like <laughs> I think that was probably yeah, him a good point. wishing Roman was there. So you could just see him like the first time he's like he doesn't have any of them or it's just like well now what the fuck do we do? So um, yeah, I like to see how that goes. No, it's a good point. It's almost like he's been downgraded. You know,
0: like the team, all those guys are side guys now. They're the main guys, but you know when you, you know, again I sort of like. When you look at scripts, um, <laughs> nice. you know, cause I just I'm like, Hey, I'll make fun of myself for myself. You don't need to, but yeah, you know, a lot of times we're like, okay, what was the point of this? Like what, why did, well, okay, well this is setting up this, and this means this, and this is a tease into this. And you're going to see this builds attention here or whatever. Like succession could just go, this doesn't have to actually like be a seed for something else. It's just, it's just Logan and this dialogue that works in a way where, again, I don't feel like I'm watching a TV show. I don't feel like I'm watching um, anything beyond, you know, some people I like and some people I don't like talk to each other. And I just think that's pretty rare.
3: Last thing I had really quickly. There was a, I think it was after the episode, they do like, you know, Jesse Armstrong comes on, he talks about different stuff with a bunch of different people. And they mentioned the line from Tom, I forget what season it was, but it was like, I've never seen Logan get fucked once, which is, also just an incredible line and it just made me think i don't i don't know if you guys have a lean on it or whatever i don't know if this if that was like a because clearly they wanted you to remember that in that post episode scene i don't know if that's setting them up for actually logan to officially take the l this time that's how the show is going to end or it's just going to prove that that rule is true and logan's just going to come out on top at the end of the show
0: i don't want a disney ending i want it to be an ending people
2: aren't rooting for yeah So he's not dying because that's like the easiest one. That's like this ends with him dying and the kids like either not being there or being there late. That's not what you're thinking.
0: Well, you know, he's 80 in the first season. So I don't know if they changed that. But if you read the pilot script, he's 80. Um, Because, you know, that first scene is him pissing in the closet because he's right. With his L to the OG
2: birthday, was that his 80th? Oh, that's a good
0: question. But in the pilot, he's 80 that they very well could have just said, hey, we're just uh, we're knocking it down five
2: years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just, right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got something here. We're going to need a few more years out of
0: Well, You know what? Let's look that up. How old is he on the birthday party? Um. See, the problem is you Google anything now, it's all about the pilot. Or excuse me, it's all about season four premiere.
3: This says he's 83. Okay. All right, so that checks out then. Yeah. This is the succession fandom.
0: Yeah, but the first season was 18. So that's supposedly his 80th birthday, uh, I don't know. All right, eight, we got an eight in front of it.
2: You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you could possibly imagine. And best of all kids, I am liquid. So now you know what's possible. Let me tell
0: you what's required. Now it's time for life advice. Life advice, rr at gmail.com. We've already checked in with Sarudi and Kyle, so let's just get right to it. Toilet Pressure Girl is the title. (laughs) Is that a song? What? Could be after this. This is a very formal email. There's some bold, but I kind of like the way it's executed. I like bold. I've been telling people to bold what you want us to to know. Uh,
2: Yeah, but don't start bolding everything because then you're just going to get lost in a sea of bold. Right. I agree. Yeah. It's like people yeah. that like have like different colors for different like color coded emails. It's Like, what? Well, what happened here? But anyway, I digress. Okay. Uh,
0: here we go. Hey, brain trust. This might be the biggest mind fuck you've ever heard. <laughs> Come on. The biggest 510 on a good day, 160, 225 bench. My game is comparable to a poverty stricken man's Rajan Rondo. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Humility. Yeah. I mean, a really bad version of Rondo isn't the greatest pickup player, right? Probably not. What is he? What is he?
3: <laughs> what what are the bad parts though? Is like is he, is he just like a huge asshole? Like is he a terrible teammate? Or is he just like is he like personality <laughs> Rondo? Yeah. Or is he just like a like an okay passer, so he cares, compares himself to Rondo. A guy who can't shoot.
0: When you get subbed out, do you sit in the stands and then <laughs> yeah. tell the media it's their fault for being negative? <laughs> uh all right. Maybe he's super, super tough defensively, sees some lanes, but also can't shoot it that great although there was like some rondo oh you know what do you want to break down a rondo's shot chart no that's not what you we're that's good. not the the we'll circle the, back the, the significant others are like wait why are they who are they breaking down right now okay all right so 26 years old i have started to get back into the dating scene and have a few interesting i've had a few interesting experiences most notably about a month ago i met this girl on bumble we decided to meet up for dinner things were going great she was outgoing and cute we had the same sense of humor which was awesome It's so great, right? When it's the same sense of humor, you're like, oh. Because, boy, when the person doesn't have the same sense of humor as me, they're like, this guy's the worst. Some men would say the same thing, all right? Um, The only slight red flag, or I guess a yellow flag, was that she could not stop mentioning how outgoing and chill she was. Mm, That is a red flag. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's past the yellow. If somebody tells you (laughs) they're chill a million times, Anyway, didn't think much of it, but a little weird, right? Cut to the end of the date. We're driving back to my place in her car. Right before we get in the house, she asks if my roommates are awake, and she starts panicking a little bit. I ask if that was a problem. Okay, so this is on. The Disgusting Brothers. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, uh, I ask if it's a problem or she wants to go back to her place. She also has roommates, though. She starts confessing that she is, in fact not all caps super outgoing shocker and is a little nervous without saying another word she opens her glove compartment and pulls out a big ass bottle of vodka and downs a couple shots worth not jesus. chill aggressive not
3: chill. <laughs>
2: jesus <laughs> okay. jesus
0: christ can you hand me that stoli pint is that zarkov is that zarkov under the your seat empty the
2: glove box yeah hold on here let me just stash my gun in the trunk too yeah really we go <laughs> like, is she,
0: is she a murderer or a, or a fucking <laughs> columnist for the you know like the 1940s all right so um without saying another word she opens the glove door i'm a little stunned and confused but she's already outside the car and i can say before i can say anything all right everybody's i, I didn't i read that out of order. Okay, i'm a little stunned it. yeah i know just to make sure uh, and confused but she's already outside of the car before i can say anything when she gets inside my roommates are asleep due to my warning that my lady friend might be coming over we end up watching a movie and no weirdness for the next couple of hours until out of nowhere she gets up and asks to use the bathroom i get up and show her where it is wait 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 wait. so the roommates are asleep is as in quotes so does that mean they're pretending to be asleep okay yeah, hiding in their rooms.
3: <laughs> yeah it's like a, it's a clear out situation they know they right. know the drill
0: Right. We end up watching. We're going to play five out here, guys. (laughs) And you're not getting the ball. I'm Jalen Green in this motherfucker. Um, We end up watching a movie and no weirdness for the next couple hours. All right. I thought he was like on this hookup run of like, yeah, so we're hooking up for a few hours. And then (laughs) (laughs) what a man. we, We get a real stud on our hands here. All right. So I don't know where she gets up and asks to use the bathroom. I get up to show her where it is. And as she opens the door to the bathroom, she stands there in silence for about twenty seconds. I started getting uncomfortable and asked, What's wrong? She replies by asking, quote, if the toilet pressure in my house is good. Oh no. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Taken aback, I managed to muster up the most confused, I don't know, of my life. She then flushes the toilet, watches the water go down, and has this weird, satisfied look on her face. She proceeds to get out of the bathroom and asks to go into my room, which I reply, okay, again, confused. And she is all caps, or excuse me, bold. She is all over me in the room. One thing leads to another, and it is on. Not proud of it, but hey, I'm 26 and an idiot. First of all, don't apologize for it. Yeah, me. you didn't do anything wrong don't. here, I don't yeah. think, the unless you got back runners. in the car with her
2: and let you drove somewhere. I don't think you did anything wrong here.
0: Yeah yeah so don't you know just like the hockey community here you know Not just guys telling hockey (laughs) stories right yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's (laughs) all we're doing here Not gonna get on your case because she liked you uh she leaves halfway through the night and right before she goes i ask her what the deal with the toilet was she laughs it off shrugs and says goodbye with absolutely no explanation my question is simply what the fuck hope you laugh about this as much as my friends and i did and no i will not have
2: or I will not and have not texted her since smart. Hmm. I don't know if that's smart. Well, I guess the, what the, the vodka in the glove box is weird. The vodka in the glove box is weird, but yeah, I girls clog toilets too. You man. think it's a little weird. Yeah, but girls <laughs> clog toilets too. I mean, that's, it's obviously what she's worried about here.
0: What if her dad's no? a plumber and she's just super into it?
2: No, why would you, she would make a big deal out of it. She could have just went to the bathroom and checked for herself. It's weird that she asks. I don't know. Uh, I, okay, I just but think
0: back to the the root of this is that she's not super chill. Okay, she's not super chill. She has it, says it a million times. <laughs> yeah, she wants I get she's it. selling herself the same way we try to sell ourselves. But like usually the person that like makes it deeper too soon or like making these like reinforcing self assessments. Like, eh, I don't know. Look, I'm not saying nobody does it. I think I've fucking done it. But you know what I mean? Like it, it can happen. But in this case, 26 or whatever. And then I think the weirdness afterwards. Like you're not telling us that she was drunk or seemed drunk. But if you're already having drinks and then she's chugging vodka on the way into the house, like that could have led to her staring in the toilet. (laughs) Yeah. Just doing a little weird. I mean, glove (laughs) box, glove box, vodka, Kyle is, uh, that's something. It's it's not nothing. (laughs) It's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. (laughs) So I, I actually kind of get back to the original part of like the biggest mind fuck is the biggest mind fuck ever. No, but that's a weird one. And it's one you're going to tell stories about forever. Um, I think it's, I mean, there's there's obviously a graphic question of asking this, where it's like, did she use the bathroom? Use the bathroom, and that's why she cared about the toilet pressure. And then she immediately after that was like, all right, now let's get down to business. That would be a a sequence of events without being like, you know, I sort of just don't want to go into this with the pod. But that's a sequence of events where I'd be like, "Mm." I think
3: I think it's weird. Like, she clearly had to do this either it's weird if she didn't and it's weird if she did. And then you hooked up with her right after. Uh, I'm just saying that would be on the front of my mind. Maybe not for everybody, but that would be a little bit weird for me. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I know some guys would be like, whatever, you know, like, and I'm like, okay, you, you do you. Then. Yeah, yeah.
3: Hey, man, happy for you. <laughs> You're super chill. Congrats.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, you found your one. <laughs> the toilet pressure isn't the big problem here. I think the glove box vodka and the maybe not being so cool about like meeting new people and then having to drink vodka before going inside. But I mean, again, unless she's like, I don't know, maybe if she did use the bathroom, maybe she would have been like, I just took a fat shit in your toilet or something like maybe that's what she would have said. I don't know. It sounds like she didn't use the bathroom at all. Maybe she was wondering if she was going to stay over. Uh, Maybe she's just somebody who's like has no filter with that kind of stuff. And and that's that maybe you wouldn't be all right with. I, I don't know why she asked. That's the thing I'm confused at. Because I thought like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she's been over some dude's house before and clogged his toilet and had a panic. I've clogged my like toilets at my friend's house. I've clogged toilets at girls' house. I was stayed over. I, it's the fucking it's very it's a panic induced moment. I mean, I'm like, Carl, like, I don't want to alarm anybody, but I'm having a fucking panic <laughs> attack right now. So Maybe she just doesn't want to be there ever again. You know, I don't know what that is. But if that's the case, she would have just like fake used like fake done a number one and just tested your toilet to see how it looked. So it doesn't that doesn't make sense, but that the glove box, uh the glove box vodka would be what I was a little worried about. Not necessarily the how how's your toilet pressure.
3: Yeah, that's the deal breaker. I would just I mean, right there. And then the, the bathroom incident is a whole other thing that just sort of Wait, toilet pressure alone,
0: Surudy would be a deal ender? No, no no, for you? no, no.
3: Vodka in the vodka in the uh no, in the no, golf no, department.
2: What if she eh, were?
3: It's a, that's a risky, that's a, I don't know. That's, no, you're it's right. Not, again. That's not my gonna vibe. That's not my vibe. He's going to say, what if
2: she was a 10, right? Is that what you're yeah. going to say? I would have <laughs> I would have found a way around. I was like, what is Uber? does Uber seems like right. disa- She seems like a fucking disaster.
3: She seems like a fucking disaster. Every signal she's giving you that she's a fucking disaster. Okay, but
0: a- she could be. It could be simply that the glove box vodka is a one-off thing and that she was super nervous uh, about the date. She about won- that. I, <laughs> look, I'm just trying to exhaust all avenues. <laughs> there's a really good chance you're.
3: I'm actually going to defend, though, like the, for the people out there, that are going to be like, oh, like, why are you so weird about girls pooping? Not weird about girls pooping. It has nothing to do. Like, it's OK. You live with I don't even want to talk bit. about it now. <laughs> it's not that big of a deal. It just it just isn't. But it is a big deal when you're on your first fucking date with someone and she makes it that weird and obvious. Like maybe on the first date, like leave a little bit to, you know, a little bit of mystery still out there. I think if she has to find a way to just like figure it out. You know, don't ask about the water pressure. Just go in there. S- scope the scene out yourself. If she's making it, like, out into this thing and asking you and is o- that open about it, I don't know, man. That's, again, the deal breaker was already the vodka. This is the second deal breaker. Should it's, You're good that you never called her back. Uh,
0: the vodka would be 100% related to how good she looked. <laughs> the, yeah, sure. the second part would be would be tough because if it were reversed the other way, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, that's how I met Dave Matthews. I was in college. We drove down from Burlington to Kenmore Square in Boston. We were getting ready to see him later that night. A buddy had friends from his high school, these girls that had all gone to college in the city, and they had this apartment, and I was dying And then it turned into like a deal where as we were pulling into Boston, they're like, there's no place to stop. There's no place to stop. I'm like, there's definitely places to stop. Can We stop Can we stop because my buddies were fucking with me. And then we get to their house. And I was like, well, whatever. I guess I can use the bathroom here. But we're about to meet like five new girls. There's a bunch (laughs) of us dudes. It's kind of already been sort of like planted out. Like who's going to like who? And I'm like, all right, let me scope out this apartment. And it was four or five bedrooms. It was a big living room. And the bathroom was right literally next to <laughs> in the living room. It was mm. in the living room. And so you were going to go into the bathroom while everyone is sitting around watching TV. <laughs> and then you were going to walk out of the bathroom and there's just no, there was no hiding in it. Yeah. There's none, zero. <laughs> and so now we're here and I go, I, I can't, this isn't happening. This isn't first impression deal. It's, it's not going to happen. And so then I was like, how awkward is it going to be? Because nobody had phones then. So I can't be like, hey, I actually have to make a call. So I actually, to the group of these people I had just met, which now is putting me down in the standings because all those guys are working it harder. Yeah. And my mm-hmm. first impression is I'm going to leave. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. I love Fenway. <laughs> and it's like, what? And it's like, oh, and no one come with me. Yeah. And so I'm walking around trying to find some place. And I ran into Dave Matthews. And we chatted it up for a bit.
2: It was great. And you were like, hey, man, I really got
0: to go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then I went back and was like, Hey, I met Dave Matthews. Guess who just jumped everybody in the standings? Did this everybody guy. believe you? Yeah. <laughs> Where
2: that's they were I like, say, All yeah. right, all right, Fenway walk guy. Yeah, you met <laughs> Dave Matthews, sure.
0: I promise you, one of my buddies told all the girls they had just met, and be like, Oh yeah, he's he's going to use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah.
2: <'Cause that's, laughs> yeah, totally. Because there's always
0: one guy. Like I would never be the sellout guy because I just think that's bullshit. You don't know, do that to other guys. But not every guy likes those rules. Yeah. And if it makes them look better then they're going to make you look worse. And if they can use that as evidence. But yeah, Dave and I uh been friends since like 94. Okay. <laughs> Let's get another quicker one in here. This isn't, I don't know that this one is for everyone. Uh, you know what? We'll just do this one. We'll do that. I'll do this other one later. <clears throat> Might get too heavy. Give it its due. Uh, I went to the Masters, yay or nay, As the question. My buddy went to the practice rounds before the Masters, but says, quote, I have been to the Masters. Oh, man. We need the debate settled. Are the practice rounds, whilst being at Augusta National, at the Masters, actual the Masters? Yes. Um, Or is it saying, I went to Game 7 of the finals, having left after shoot-around? Thanks so much, huge fan of the pod. All right. Um,
3: Can I just say really quickly... Uh, on Friday, my brother in law literally told me this exact scenario. He's like, I'm going to the Masters and he's going Monday through Wednesday.
2: And I was like, oh, like, that's he's, cool. Hey, like, he's going to the Masters, buddy, because that's what I did. And I went to the Masters. <laughs> I got the cups. I ate the fucking sandwiches. I walked around. They took my phone. I went to the Masters. I don't want to hear it.
0: All right. A lot of people tell you Wednesday's the best. Mm-hmm. I went Wednesday, Wednesday was awesome, but I went Thursday and Friday too. <laughs>
3: Like, did you see the tournament? The math, that's the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Thursday saw guys hitting.
2: All right. Okay. This is tough. This is tough because... And guess what? I took a dump at the Masters and the toilet pressure was awesome. I did it all at the Masters. I did it all all at the Masters. All right. Red flag.
0: (laughs) Save it for your poop podcast. (laughs) (laughs) This is... uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is actually a little... Little less clear because it is the masters, because the practice rounds and the Wednesday day are so iconic and that you're walking the grounds, and there is this feeling, which we've covered, when you walk through those gates and you're like, I'm here. Um this one, I'm not saying I love it. I'm not saying I love it. But I think you'd have to know the master's deal to understand why somebody would say this. So I don't know that I want to take your friend's side. But this one isn't as clear cut like it's not the same as saying, "I went to the game seven of the NBA Finals and leaving after shoot around it's just it's just not the same thing. What he should say is, "I've been to Augusta, I was there for the par three, and then people can be like, "Hey, that's fucking awesome instead of saying, "I went to the Masters, and then they go, Oh, were you there for you know Tigers which year were you there?" And you're like, Well, I was there this year but i but i didn't I didn't go any of the days." <laughs> Um, I would say, I would say your friend should undersell this to then have it be still cool as opposed to oversell it yeah. to be led by disappointment. So the opposite, the opposite of ESPN radio teases on this one, don't like, oversell and disappoint.
3: Let's be honest. Like this is one of those stories that we've talked about in multiple life advice instances where like this guy in the future is going to tell people who don't know that he's been in the masters. Right. And he's just going to tell people that and it is what it is, but you know. Specifically, that he did not go to the actual tournament itself. Um, I, I just think there is a difference. I, I, and again, it, it doesn't there take is, away, You're it,
0: right. You're it doesn't right, take away from the experience.
3: But. Like it doesn't. Like I'm. It's. I'm pumped for my brother in law. I'm pumped for this guy. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to have a great time, as you've said. The Wednesday is awesome. But I do kind of feel like you have to watch a round of the tournament, and that's not you're not doing that.
0: Yeah. Like, hey, who'd you who'd you follow? Well.
2: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I don't know. I, I'm gonna not. I'm not gonna stop telling people I went to the Masters. I also. I picked, don't want you to. I picked yeah. up and dropped off the guys at the Masters the days that they, I wasn't allowed to go, but uh, I was at the Masters. I was in Augusta. Mm. I went to that Waffle House in the, in Augusta. I did. I did all the things. I went to the airport. Come on. What if you just say? I mean, the
3: the right way to say it would be I I went to Augusta, as Kyle just said. I didn't go to not the Masters. That. I went to Augusta.
2: Not doing that. Went to the Masters loaded up on those sandwiches I had like several days at the masters I mean at the courts when it said like welcome to the masters and all that stuff like I don't know I'm not gonna stop so I don't think you have to stop either friend of the emailer this is a this is
0: not clear this is not as clear as other scenarios it just isn't because Kyle experienced the masters experience he did all right. Like if you make it there and you go to Augusta and you walk the grounds and you're there on Wednesday, that's, that's something. Okay. That is, that is a real thing that you, I, I feel like once you're inside there, it's kind of like, oh, wow, I get it. And the way the people treat you and how, you know, it's just different, man. It I didn't understand it. It exceeded every expectation I could have ever possibly had. I went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I had passes on saturday i told my college roommate he could take the passes on saturday because i was trying to do him the solid i woke up on saturday where 99 out of 100 times i'm like i'm good i want to go home and watch the nba i woke up going i kind of fucking regret giving him all four (laughs) passes and not saying hey i'm keeping one and then giving you you figure it out amongst your other people um so i don't know i don't know i don't have a clear decision on this one yeah I really don't. But I think he should just sell it differently. He should say, hey, I've been to Augusta. I've been, but I went on Wednesday. And then the person who's never been is going to be like, oh, my God, that's still awesome. Tell me about it. And you can tell the person about the grounds and all the different shit. Whereas if you're saying it that way and then it gets into specifics and you're like, well, I actually only went. You know what I'm saying? Undersell and excite. Undersell
2: and excite. I'm trying to think to, of
3: like an equivalent of this though. Like can just in anything, like
2: F1 like, practice round, the day you're in Montreal, you did all the stuff maybe, but like you didn't do the race. I don't know. You went to F1 in Montreal, but you didn't see the race. I don't know.
0: Like, I like think if he, you saw a couple band shit. And, or not a couple band,
2: if you, or go ahead.
0: No, Kyle, that's actually like a perfect sports one because if you go to the practice round, like the practice laps and, and all that kind of stuff, the qualifying, also known as super race guy over here, a little early in the season, not all the way locked in. Like, you're getting that actual experience. I mean, and the other thing about, like, F1 in person, you're basically picking a turn to watch right. or some straightaway. You're not, like, then you got to look at other stuff to make sure you know what's going on, despite the fact that, what, to get, like, three, four thousand people at those fucking things? It's crazy. I actually think that's a pretty good equivalent. I know you were trying to think of something else non-sports related to
3: no, I was just thinking like it's it one of the, and I don't have an exact example but like if you went to see a band and like the lead singer like was either dead or like left the band or they broke it's up morbid. like hey, I saw this band like well you didn't did you actually see them or you just saw like this version of them you know I don't know.
0: What about Hamilton without
3: Great point. I did see Hamilton at the Bushnell in Connecticut. It's but- definitely it was not the real cast. Uh you know Lin-Manuel Miranda was not there, but I do tell people I saw Hamilton not because I'm pretentious. Um, but just because, you know, I don't know, it just, I, yeah, I saw Hamilton. But I, I do feel like a little dirty about it. It wasn't actually the real Hamilton.
0: Wow. Bitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for today's podcast. Thanks to <laughs> Kyle and Sarudi, As always, please make sure to download and subscribe. Ryan Russell Podcast, Ringer and Spotify.